another one we are back folks i hope everyone's doing well it is a beautiful day in galveston very hot i uh couldn't actually walk to the office today i made my colleague over there alex give me a ride so i appreciate that alex how you doing sir good how are you doing today ben oh i can't complain i just did some hot yoga over at uh island salt there so i'm feeling really well stretched out this is our guest john coomer how you doing so uh we're, this is our first video podcast, so please bear with us with the uh, with the, the wide-angle lens. We're looking to change that in the, in the near future. Um, it's a It's been sunny for the past few days. It's been really beautiful outside. Yeah, it's been raining kind of off and a on, though. Just, just pockets here and there. I've been fishing. It was I've, the past two days. It's been, really, it's been really nice. You see, this morning it was raining. The sun was completely out. It was yeah. really pretty. You know what my grandpa used to call that? What's that? He said the devil was beating his wife. I don't know why. I why don't I, understand that don't understand at all. That, I don't understand that either, but I've, I've heard that. Um, I like okay. it, though. I might have to use that. So uh, I don't have a fishing uh, a fishing report this week, but um, these two, the, tomorrow's not going to be ideal for fishing, except that the water's going to be super calm. And over on Saturday, we're getting a high tide at around 9 o'clock, so... Early morning fishing is supposed to be on point. Nice. And I've been using uh, mirror lures on the surf, and I've been doing really well. So, uh, John, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, just kind of give us a brief spiel of what you're doing here, because we thought you were a pretty interesting character, and we're going to bring you on the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm John Coomer. I'm from uh, Tyler, Texas, originally. Just transplanted to Galveston from Fort Worth. Um I'm a Texan, son of the Texas Revolution, a farmer, and I love this place, so I'm pretty happy to be here. Have you? Was this your first time to be to Galveston, or did you come as a kid? Or no, we. I've been going to Dickens on the Strand for a long time. Uh, come down here. I've used quite a few fishing charters. Uh, just come down here with friends, so I've, I'm very comfortable with the city. But uh, moving down here was, you know, we were searching for. Me and my dog were searching for places to go after uh, uh, the farm in the Fort Worth uh, kind of petered out and started looking around Texas, and Galveston, Texas was the island that I chose. Did you know what you wanted to do down here before you came, or kind of you, figured it out? Not really. I just kind of, uh, I had a little bit of cash, and you know, I was able to do kind of whatever I wanted. I was free, and uh, this was just felt right whenever I started coming down here and applying to jobs and talking to people, networking, everyone was really kind and loving. So uh, the first thing I heard on this island is you won't starve and you won't die from uh, the people. You know, you know, a hurricane might come through, but you will survive on this place. And I was like, all right, cool. I met a few cool people in uh, the Strand area that really helped me influence the move down here and uh, went back to Fort Worth. I stayed here for two weeks um, networking, you know, talking to people. I went back to Fort Worth, packed my stuff, and in a week I was back down here. So I like that. That's pretty yeah. cool. So uh, what do you do on the island? Well, right now I do the Segway Tours. I'm also an entrepreneur, so uh, about to open up a few businesses here in Fort Worth. I own a company called Texas Land and Ag, and uh, I teach sustainability, try to help people with uh, front yard gardens, hydroponics, aquaponics, anything that has to do with getting people away from, you know, Walmart and big box stores and kind of growing your own food, you know, things like that. I want to jump into it. How'd you get into uh, 
ag. How'd you get into the ag background? Ben's well, a big ag guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my dad was a watermelon and tomato farmer in a small town called Lindell, Texas. And that's, you know, orig- I say Tyler, but that's originally where we're from. And uh, he kind of put that seed in my brain. And, and at first, I remember being younger and really disliking it and not liking anything about, you know, these sand fields and watermelons that we were walking through. And then my uncle bought a cattle ranch in Atoka County, Oklahoma, whenever I was eight years old. And instantly, it just changed the game. You know, I, you started looking at land from a different perspective. Um, my grandfather had a rule that we couldn't be in the house from 9.30 to like 4.30. And so, you know, they'd buy us guns, horses, four-wheelers, things like that. And you go outside and that's where, you, you know, you just grow up and you become a man. You know, following creeks, finding frogs, you know, things of that nature. But uh, it was more or less you know, work for a little bit and get to play for a lot. So, so did you learn all your ag knowledge from kind of your family and stuff? Yeah, I didn't, I, I should have gone to school for ag looking back at it, but I went to school for business and, uh, but yeah, most of it is, uh, why well, I use Texas A&M AgriLife extension almost, you know, every day I'm farming that that's, you know, them Clemson, Auburn, some of the best agricultural schools in the world. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna give Ben a shout out for NC state. Yeah, but uh, they've got absolutely, you know, incredible information. And uh, really, it's just, you know, the way you feel. We're, we're all natural, organic, you know, as organic as you can be. And, uh, you know, that's the way that we're rocking around here. No chemicals, no pesticides. How do you become an organic farm? Well, it's a, uh, it's a big chunk of change to the U.S. government. And then uh, they, they're going to come out and make sure that you're doing it all, you know, correctly. You have to have a good agricultural practice uh, handbook, which is called GAP policies. Um, you got to then get certified. You know, a, a guy will come out to your farm and make sure again that you're, you know, you know, you have your bug traps or you have, if you're doing a greenhouse, say, you know, you got your bug traps in the right spot. You're doing pest management. They're going to check your chems. You know, it's really just a a lot of people coming and checking in on you sure. a lot of paperwork you know that you're logging with what you're doing with the plants and um just basically an accountability system and you know everyone's trying to be transparent with food but you know stuff that the big farms aren't doing is you know they don't have to tell you what you know they're doing they they just sell it you know and organic is a uh, it's extremely hard it doesn't take diesel it takes hands um, and that's something, you know, that we're proud to say, but, uh, it's hard to find those hands, especially people who are willing to do it. Is that a tight knit community? Like, are there other farms that, that kind of share knowledge with each other or is it kind of like, absolutely something? farming in general is a tight knit community. I mean, agriculture in general, it's, you know, your truck breaks down <clears throat> on the back side of your property, you know, while you're checking fence. And you ain't got a, you know, a big enough tractor to go pull it out. You're going to walk over to your neighbor's house who does have that tractor. You know, he'll grab a chain and he'll pull you out. Or That's happened to me before. You, uh, you lose some cows, and, you know, and you got to, you know, get some hands from the next ranch over to help you out. And, yeah, it's, you know, the farm in Fort Worth, we had, luckily, we had a, uh, a very, very close community. We had a father named Mark Tackett who was really good at helping us doing, you know, he supported us 100%. We also had the cousin of the family that lived next door, and he was the biggest hay producer in Weatherford. 
And so uh, he had all the cool tractors, all the cool, you know, implements for him. So anytime we needed to plant wheat or do a big project, yeah, you know, what we didn't have, somebody else did, and they were more than willing to give it to us. What kind of soil is up there? Sandy loam. You What's know, that good for? I, that's, that's a lot of Texas. Yeah, uh, most watermelons grow great in Texas. Watermelons right? do go great. Any type of hothouse, squash, watermelons, okra, peppers, eggplants, you know, things like that. That's that's going to do good here. Uh, watermelons in East Texas, you can grow citrus in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, you can grow hard wheat, you know, in you know in the plains of the West. You can grow watermelons in West Texas. West Texas is one of the biggest pumpkin producers in the United States. Um, Texas is so huge and so diverse that you literally like this island. It's extremely extremely diverse, and it's a part of the same you know in the tropics. Yeah, exactly. But a part of the same ecosystem is like you know, Dumas up, up north in the panhandle where it snows and it, you know, it, it ices over and that's still Texas. Those are still Texans up there doing work. So I, this place is extremely vast and uh, it almost feels endless until you, you know, you get to New Mexico or Oklahoma. Is there a, is there any red clay soil in East Texas or? Yeah, there is. There's a, a is lot. By, up by Texarkana? Yeah, there's a lot uh, of red uh, red clay soil. Especially once you get past Tyler, you'll start to notice it on the highway. You'll see big pine trees and underneath it this red dirt, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And and there's pockets of, of soil that are black throughout East Texas, but it's mostly sand. There's a lot of clay, um, a lot of sandy loam, a lot of sand. But uh, I love East Texas. It's a great place. I need to get with you about, um, you also do a lot of uh, hydroponics and aquaponics, right? Well, just, we're getting into it. We're really trying to, you know, figure out Dutch buckets and, and water systems and, you know, how I can make, how I can grow my own bait for fishing and then use that, you know, bait and, you know, their waste to create awesome tomatoes or really, really beautiful butterhead lettuce, you know. So, but I want to grow bait. You know, and I don't want to grow tilapia. I'd, I'd like to grow, you know, fingerling bass or, you know, perch or something like that for freshwater. But, uh, yeah, that's the aquaponics and hydroponics are amazing. You can grow uh, the same plant in, like, that you couldn't in soil probably, you know, eight weeks earlier. Can, yeah. can you explain that to people who don't know what that is? What, aquaponics? Yeah. Aquaponics, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a water system that's basically tied into a pool. So you... You know, you'll have either trays or buckets or some type of, you know, because it's artificial. So what you're doing is your growing media is not soil. It's uh, vermiculite or perlite or, and both are, those are organic, by the Mm -hmm. way. It's just volcano ash. That's, you know, kind of like. Porous. Yeah. Something porous that water can. Exactly. Or you can use, you know, lava rock. Water retention or are you looking for it to pass through you're looking for it to pass through for sure what any anytime sitting waters you know staying there that that leads to bacteria forming that leads to you know bugs showing up that leads to stank nastiness do they have a current going through yes there? It has, so it has a current going through you put sort of like a uh, variable speed pump that you same that you would a pool on mm-hmm. uh, you lead it to a tank uh, that variable speed pumps water all throughout the tray so let's say you have 15 trays in a row and by trays I mean one foot by 10 foot long uh, metal trays with two inch sides that run up and they're on a slant so you have a certain degree down what you want to do is you want to run your pvc to the front of those with you know little spigots 
and you run it all the way down to the collection table which runs back into the the pool which then again gets pushed through with the pump so um, what you're doing in that what's most important is checking your pH making sure your chem you know your chemicals don't get you know messed up. it's just one big science project yep. instead of growing in the dirt is because uh, the dirt does all of that the dirt holds the mineral the dirt will retain the water and you know as you were talking about the differences in you know sandy loam or, or clay or you know clay will hold water forever mm -hmm. um, for well not forever but a long time you know sandy loam that's the good mix is you get the soil you add a little sand so you have some good drainage and you know that's what creates these you know big beautiful tomatoes so and what's the advantage you can grow different you grow faster it's mm -hmm. a controlled environment you, you're not relying on you mother can grow nature year round too right? yeah you can grow year round so in a greenhouse no season um, so you let's would, say if there was like a cotton shortage, you could theoretically grow cotton. Yeah, I've I've never grown cotton to be honest. With you. I mean, we we've, we've tested out a you know a few bushes, you know, but uh, I really don't know. See, like the, what we were targeting for is things like basil, new foreign aroma basil. Um, you could do tomatoes, uh, squash. Just any, I mean, you can do strawberries in buckets that run on the side of your greenhouse, you know, if you're, you know, willing to, and they'll hang down and you can just pick them. But things that go into the ground like, you know, onions and, but, you know, onions and turnips and parsnips, you know, you don't do that. You want to do those in the wintertime in the dirt. But uh, another idea is microgreens. Microgreens are killing it in the markets in DFW and Fort Worth. And I guarantee you they're killing it in the market here. Because all you do is sprout a seed. You sprout a seed of a radish, you have a radish microgreen. And that is the most nutritious part of that plant cycle. The longer a plant stays alive, the, the less nutritious it's going to be. So the very first part of that plant is the most nutritious. The longer an animal stays alive, um, the more nutritious it's going to be. The younger it is, the less. So it's you're kind of dealing with the opposite. Yeah, here. inversely related, yeah. Yeah, but they are related. Um, you know, that's what's the coolest thing about a farm is that the chickens poop. They turn that poop into soil. That soil turns into the media for these 10-foot-tall tomato, you know, bushes. And then what is left over goes, you know, to the pigs or to the, you know, to the chickens back again. And it's this... Cycle. constant circle of um life yeah of life exactly and it's lovely it's like one of the coolest things i've ever done in my life is show up at this farm how long did you work there uh about a year and a half you got to see kind of a man short, relatively short term for the period but long term you know cycles yeah what you know what hits you really really fast is that uh it's not easy uh, farming is not easy, but what hits you uh, also extremely fast is that it is so much fun. You get a good group of people around you, and you guys, uh, you know, are pumped up to work and pumped up to make good food for your community. Uh, good food for the kids, good food for the older people. And it's, you know, we're not using chemicals and pesticides. You can come out to our farm and we'll show you exactly what we're doing. I mean, that's with Texas Land and Ag. I'll show you exactly what I'm doing. And I'll never hide anything you know transparency that's what it's about you know the people who are controlling food or they don't they don't have to tell you because of law everything that they're doing and they set up those laws they don't want to tell you you got uh, a greenhouse 
in the works and down here mm-hmm. in Galveston? You want to get that going sometime? The coolest thing about Galveston is I don't think I need a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. The average temperature here is, you know, I mean, I I think the 60 lowest temperature. Yeah, 60 to 70 degrees, you know, I, I, and then your average low is like 46. I'm never hitting the freezing point here. And uh, yes, a greenhouse would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, space is limited on this island, so I've been looking at vacant lots around here. Because if you see a few places around uh, Galveston that are growing food, Seeding Galveston is one of them. And uh, they're the where are one... they located, do you know? Sir? Do you know where they're located? Uh, I think in and 33rd. And then we got one over here off of uh, Church, and I believe 19. It, there's one on the east end, there's one in the middle, and then uh, there was one off 25th and Post Office, but... Some company bought that and they're going to turn it into a uh, parking lot. But, you know, that's how that goes. But, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'd love to join Seating Galveston. They seem like they have a lot of knowledge and experience already, you know, so maybe it's time for, you know, me to start my own local garden here and uh, make it free. You know, I don't want to charge people per plot. I'll just do a whole bunch of work and, you know, every other, you know, and... You know, they have, they have a farmers market here too. Yes, awesome farmers market. I've I've got to meet some of the some of the people that work up there. Like specifically, there's a woman named Pamela, and she owns Wild Earth, and uh, she's an apothecary in town. And um, I've walked by that uh, that shop so many times. I've never been in there. Man, she is the coolest chick. Really? Yeah. She makes uh, this pain relieving balm for me. And she actually calls it Coomer's balm. Hey. My last name's Coomer, and you know she puts that on the tab now and. Was it just uh, topical? Yeah, just very. It's topical. Um, I can't even remember some of the active ingredients in it, but I know that the base is like uh, there's coconut oil, uh, beeswax. There's a few few other things, but uh, does, I've been it, e- does it like heat up or? No, it's uh, it smells a little spicy, but it doesn't heat up as much as like icy hot or something. Sure, like yeah. You know, it's not like chemically powered. It's mm-hmm. plant powered. You know, it's just a little bit cooler. The good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. But they own a farm in South Texas where they grow all of their teas and, you know, and they grow Yopon. Yopon's a really, really good tea, and she's always hooking us up with it, so. So I got to ask, what's, what's the goal here? Are you trying to live off the Gulf, or what's the, like, what's the, what's your short-term and long-term goal in the island? That is yeah, a fantastic in-game. question, man. Uh, I came down here to use this big body of water. I did. That's one of the. Th- I was. I was going to move to an ocean. I think you know Australia. My family shut it down. Uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. I had a job with a farm there. I didn't know if I wanted to go to farm in the islands, you know. And that's you know Frederickstead is where that town. What that town is called Frederickstead in the uh, British Virgin Islands, I believe. What are they growing down there? Oh, fruit, uh, mangoes, uh, papayas, uh, tomatoes, squash. You know, it's not, we're not too far off. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know the soil. Yeah. I've never been to that island and tried to grow anything. But the end game here is, uh, yeah, I, I want to live off the Gulf. I want to eat as much crab, as much, you know, fresh caught fish as I can. Um, I want to learn from these people. I found unbelievable amount of kumquats, peaches, uh, dragon fruit, blackberries. I found everything on this island. And a lot of times, what I it is, a, I have a big mango tree, and I have about forty mangoes on it right now. Yeah, see, and um, and then I also have grapefruit tree, Meyer lemon tree, tangerine tree, fig tree, 
pecan tree. The pecan. My neighbor hates the pecan tree. Yeah. Well, the leaves, the that's leaves the attitude. And- <laughs> that's the attitude right there. Is it's you know, permaculture. You know, adding to what you can and taking nothing from the land. Adding, you know, enhancing just a little bit here, but you know, picking your own mangoes. That would make me pumped up. I got a fig tree in my house, in my backyard of my house. Me and the birds share these figs every day. I hate the birds. I Man, do. I've I got a fig tree at my house too, and those birds, they'll wake me up when they are feasting on those figs. I know. They're loud. They'll yeah. start they'll start yapping. It's yeah. the seeds, but they poop the seeds out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Where are you hunting at? You figured that out yet? I haven't figured that out down here. Um, you know, quite a few spots in Fort Worth. Um, you know, and that's that's a place I can go. But I'm down here in the Gulf now. You know, this is this is one of my spots. You know, I'm I'm gonna I know it's y'all's, but I'm gonna take claim to it. I love this body of water. Uh, I'm gonna talk to a few of these fishing charters out here. I know a few of these. And Aaron Grace is one of them. He's a really really good guy. He's a Yankee from Massachusetts. I fished with them a couple of times whenever he was working with Get Hooked Charters, mm-hmm. and they're they're both in uh, in the marina. Those are really good companies, and and uh, they sometimes know of a few you know duck getting boys that go out there into the bay, and you know get the sea ducks or the redheads or the canvasbacks that come through here. We get some uh, occasionally put some wood ducks around here. Yeah, wood ducks would be great. Out if you go down three double o five all the way west across to Surfside. Yeah. There's public land. You can hunt publicly on the back of Surfside. Really? But the thing about that is, do you have to have a boat or can you just wait out there? No, you absolutely have to have a boat to hunt from water. Yeah, I've been out there in the boat and there's a... Not necessarily. You can can wait out there. Oh, you can? If if you're kind of crazy, Uh people will like, you know, park and kind of walk through, but rattlesnakes and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's colder out. You use waders, but I still wouldn't want a snake popping me in the leg. Or gator. Actually, they did spot an alligator. I've been wondering that. It was on the Texas A&M University Galveston Facebook page, and someone took a picture of it, and I think it was at St. Louis Pass, and it was like a 10-foot gator, 9, 10-foot gator. That's a good alligator. Uh, The last time I went duck hunting, I was in a place called Alligator Lake. Really? It made me a little bit nervous, (laughs) but I didn't see any gators out there, thank God. There's a lot of water moccasins here, too. Really? A lot it's weird that there's rattlesnakes, a lot of rattlesnakes on the island, but like out west, man, you can find them everywhere. Especially at night, you know, be careful out of the, the pass. Cause man, I, if you're messing around in the back, that back part where there's a lot of marsh, rattlesnakes and water moccasins. I got to tell you guys something I saw the other day. I saw this product called, I think it was Season Shot. Basically, it's a, it's a shell, and it's like an organic shot in it that seasons the duck when you shoot it. <laughs> What? Yeah, and it like completely disperses in the duck, so there's no, and it's all biodegradable, obviously, and it's like they have a bunch of different flavors. It's crazy. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Man, that it, that is nuts. You know, the only thing I've heard is uh, spectra shot, where say me, me, you're hunting, you're hunting, and I'm hunting. You get green, I get blue, you get orange. Oh, so you can tell. So you can tell who shot the duck. Mm-hmm. You know that. I think that's cool. Yeah. But uh, that are, I, we're gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know its effectiveness, but I really, I really like Rio Browns. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they're, they, I mean, they, black cloud's a good brown, um, but I just feel like, I mean, they put a little more powder in it, obviously, and then also the different, you know, special pellets. But the uh, 
Rio, man, I just feel like they, they just put that little extra amount of powder in there, and it just, it, it can kind of, a little more distance. You can put birds down easier. That's pretty, I'm I like, actually wearing a duck hunting shirt. I like the shotgun shell that shoots the duck whenever I pull the trigger. Do you, Sometimes uh, I feel like I'm shooting confetti out there. What, oh, yeah. uh, what size, what length shell do you shoot? Three, uh, well, on geese, three and a half, yeah. and then just on, you know, ducks, three inch. Three inch, yeah. What gun do you, uh, do you use? I got a Remington 870, oh, yeah, but I've cool. used, yeah, I mean, the standard, Did you know, for a young man in, in Texas, that's like your first thing you get is a little pump shotgun, but, uh, I got a, I got really lucky, I got a, uh, Benelli. I want a oh, okay. so bad. Oh Benelli my gosh. M2 is really nice. But you have a turkey gun. Yeah. I mean, yours has a handle on it. I've never seen it. I've never seen a turkey gun in person before. Like I held it. I'm thinking about getting a, just a stock without the handle on it. Yeah. Oh, so you can change it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I had a I had a really good friend in fourth named Tyler Bullard, and his dad had the coolest Browning Satori, yeah, and that's nice. probably the coolest shotgun I've ever hit. I've, I've submerged my my gun before because it was it was I think it was like it was like I forget what how many years ago but it was like when the it was like 18 degrees so there was like a thin ice sheet on the wall oh yeah and uh it was out by rice paddies uh, you know that's what that's you know that's where good hunt good duck hunting is and uh so the water was up to my waders and I stepped in a hole and I was fall it was, it was about to natural reaction is to stop that fall and I Stuck my, you know, shotgun above the head, stuck it in the ground, and just like used it to like prime myself up. And I was like, oh no, my shotgun was all muddy. I got it out, washed it, you know, after I threw out the decoys. And man, it was just good hunt from there. That's fantastic, man. I love whenever that kind of stuff happens and it works out. That Browning Satori is a beautiful gun. That Browning, oh. what's, the, what's the price on that? I don't know, Crazy. but it looks. Look at the price. It on looks it. heavy. It is. It is a cannon. So say that you're swinging. You swing to the shot, and it fe- it's a I, we call them hand cannons. Mm-hmm. They are heavy. Was it a is it a twelve gauge? Yes. Is it three, has and it it's over it? under. Oh, it's over under. Okay. Yeah, it's like a like a Beretta over under. Yeah, exactly. And man, dude, I'm not a, you know I, I've I've hunted with the side by side before. I really like the side by side. Yeah, they're my favorite. I because you can kind of you can do them. I I feel like I I feel like Elmer Fudd. And so I feel like a little, I'm serious. I feel like a little bit old school. Whenever, wabbits. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I'm using an over under or side by side, I feel a little bit cooler. Hey, that's a tour is only going to cost you twenty two hundred bucks. Only yeah, twenty two hundred. Right. Oh, that's yeah, a, the pocket change. <laughs> no, they have a whole bunch of cool guns. They're they're awesome people too for letting me come out and play on the ranch. The Muir Ranch in uh, Fort Worth is awesome. The the Muir boys actually right now, Bill and Sam are trying to get a small farm going. And uh, they worked with us at the Clear Fork Farm in Weatherford. And so more power to them. I wish them the best on their journey. They bought some of our pigs this year from the Clear Fork Farm, some of the pigs I raised. And I believe they're doing well. I got a question. What about, so you get this farm started up in Galveston, theoretically. Okay. And hurricane comes. What do you do? Well, you know. You just, you just rebuild? You yeah, of course you do. You, can, you know, you, you fall off a horse, you get right back on it. There's no excuse. But, uh. I, I, I've, I've been thinking about hurricanes uh, since I've gotten down here. I didn't really, you know, think that out totally on the move. But uh, I don't know. That's something that we're going to have to, you know, to see and look for. You know, I'm actually, hate to say it, kind of looking forward to one. I mean, I hope it's not destructive in terms of life and property and, you know, my community and things like that. But the power of nature is real. I mean, I've seen tornadoes. I've seen some pretty nasty storms. 
Um, I've it seen some test, pretty. It tests the power of me too. Yes, exactly. I mean, and as as clear as the Gulf looks from your office right now, and how beautiful this scene is, um, me looking out into the Gulf and us seeing those crazy dark, almost black purple clouds coming in, that gets me actually really pumped up. I mean, I don't know what it is about it, but I don't want to see one, but I do at the same time. It's powerful, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so you're also. Talk to talk to us about your a member of the Galveston Rugby uh, Rugby Football Club. Yes, Rugby Football Club. So Galveston Rugby has uh, they were a great friends group of mine. You know, coming down here, I kind of just showed up at practice and said, "Hey, I'm playing." Uh, I played a little bit of junior college football and football um, at at another place. But so whenever I got down here, I'm still you know very active. I'm very competitive. I I want to still want to be able to use my body and you know. I love golf, but trust me, there's, you know, you don't hit anyone in golf. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get out to practice and dude, everyone, you know, was very, very cool and, you know, inviting. And so, you know, and plus I'm a, you know, another body, they need bodies out there. So if anybody wants to join, come on. But, uh, yeah, they're great people, great organization. Can you it was just actually, practice out there without uh, being on the team? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can come out and practice. Uh, it definitely helps to have more people out there. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about Galveston. It was started by a doctor at UTMB, and uh, I believe in the 1960s. It's the second oldest club in Texas, I believe. Really? Yeah, and, uh, well, Galveston's the coolest place. We have a whole bunch of old stuff, you know, that we just, you know, beat everyone in. But um, started by some doctors, you know, to pass time up at UTMB, and then uh, it's been thriving ever since. But... Um, didn't have such a good season last year. I don't think we won very many games, but we're during the sevens season right now. We had our first tournament, finished, I believe, fifth or sixth out of ten. You know, so we didn't do so well either. But I did score my first try, which is equivalent of a touchdown, and that was the coolest feeling. But uh, we played really well as a team. You play sevens in the summer, in the off season, and then you go to the regular game of fifteens during the fall and winter time. And 15s is a more slow-paced, um, real style of rugby. The 7s is more like, you know, speedball. It's like 7-on-7s seven sevens for... Yeah, ex- for that's exactly what it is. Where it's most receivers and quarterbacks. Yep, that's, it's very similar. It's mostly DBs, you know, DB style uh, bodies, wide receivers, running backs. You know, I don't even know the terms yet mm-hmm. for the positions. I just know that that guy looks like a wide receiver, mm-hmm. you know, so... So you're also trying to start this local T-shirt collective. Can you uh, let us know about what, yeah. what you're planning and what your future plans are going to be? So uh, I'm a I'm a local small business. I support local small businesses. Like it's cool that y'all had Maceo's on there. Mm-hmm. You know that's one of this, you know, small businesses that I I've actually grown to really love. That place is really good. But um, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tie together a few business. You know, I'm doing tours. I influence let's say 100 people a week, plus more of the people I just meet. You know, I've learned an awful lot of uh, history about this place from the Rosenberg Library. So uh, places like Hey Mike's on Post Office, Mod, the Segway Shop. Um, you got uh, Cruz Cortez, Lolo Kai, you know, things. It, I want it to be mostly East End, kind of stay away from the seawall. Um, even we got Galveston Jet Skis, the only seawall-ish. Type place is SUP, the paddleboarding rental place. 
But uh, I want to tie all of these businesses together because I like talking about them. I tell people about these places. Hey, I frequent these places. This is the real Galveston. You know, this the seawall experience is cool. The ocean's going to be there for the rest of your life. It is. I mean, that's a fact. But down here in the Strand, downtown area, you know, where it's still mom and pop and people are, you know, trying to make a living, that's what I'm really trying to show them and tie together as, as one. So my company, Texas Land and Ag, will be on the back. Um, I was kind of looking at our rugby jerseys and the sponsors on there. You know, obviously, Maceo's Spice and Import is one yeah, of them. Yeah, they do um, when the, uh, like, the cook-offs and stuff, the, the rugby team actually does, like, a big barbecue thing. And then also for the um, Galveston Park Board um, Beach Patrol, when they do their big party, yeah. the, the Maceo, she provides the... Uh, the spices to them to do like a pig roast by the way that party was awesome you went to it yes i had to hand out uh i was slanging meat all day I had to hang out barbecue and and potato salad but no it was a uh fantastic experience it was really cool so but tying in these local businesses you know that i'm just trying to to put my name out there i'm trying to meet people i'm trying to say hey, you know hey i want to be a member of the community hey i want to be a part of this i love this place Hey, I pick up trash, you know, hey, I, you know, I want to help, you know, I want to help y'all grow stuff, you know, this, I'm trying to make this my home for me and my Literally dog. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, me and my dog are here. We're extremely happy and uh, we want to help. You said Lola Kai, I'm in the mood for a smoothie now. Now I'm telling you. What's, what I'm smoothies? You Chris makes some good open. smoothies over I'm there, man. I'm still disappointed because our first one, we talked about health foods and I'm still disappointed they're not open on the weekends. Oasis is though. Have you yeah. had the Oasis smoothies? Yes. But they Oasis close, is very good. Was that, they close at like six or seven? Seven? Oh, Nothing gosh. on this island stays open very long. <laughs> they need to. But, well, I mean, the more and people, more that we get know, people off the seawall, yeah, you know, the opportunities bring, bring will grow for health, health foods. And stuff. But you know, it takes it takes programs like this, this Galveston Island podcast, to really show what's real in the area, and you know, let people know, like, hey, we're over here. You know, we're doing really, really cool stuff, too. It's not that we're just, you know, we're here and you should come, you know, spend your money with us. It's We're going to do some really killer stuff around this community. It's, it's a community thing. Yeah, exactly. East side or die. That's what I say. That's right, baby. That's where it's at. A lot of people say anything past, like, 30th Street is, like, the other side of Galveston. Yeah, it's Galveston <laughs> number two. That's what I've heard. You this is, only go there for groceries. But I live on 69th Street. I think it's a really nice area. Mm-hmm. All of Galveston is cool to me. I mean, I drove out to the west, and that place, it looks kind of country, you know, and that... Yeah, they're growing cattle out there and yeah. raising cattle. Yeah. Well, I don't I, know how, but they are. I kind of want to talk a little bit about where this podcast is going. Okay. So, if anyone's listening who's from the island or, you know, there's obviously been an increase in crime, and... We have reached out to the Galveston Municipal Police Association, which is the police union, and they have actually been very receptive and welcomed us with open arms. Uh, we're going to have them on next week for an interview um, talking about crime and the understaffing of the police and the, the, the funding and, and all, the, all the parameters that that includes. Um, but next week also... Uh, on the 20th, the same day we're doing an interview, uh, they're going to be at um, City Hall uh, with a, a presentation that you just you can't miss. Um, 
I'm urging everyone to go, and I know John's going to do his part to tell everyone to go go to it on Thursday. Um, when's the uh, when's the meeting? Um, you know, for for the city hall meeting. Like the, city, the city hall meetings uh, on the twentieth. Okay, in the um, afternoon they're going to have a PowerPoint. Um, some people from uh, Cleet mm-hmm. um, are going to be there. Cleet's a, another uh, law enforcement organization. Um, they're they're pretty they're pretty big. Um, <coughs> Uh, the Galveston Municipal Police Association, they're, they're doing their most to uh, try to bring light to the fact that they're understaffed. They, um, you know the officers they had staffed for 4th of July? How many? They, well, this is on patrol, not, this is, you know, they said they had 57 staffed for, for everywhere, but they had on patrol 14. That's not enough. Did, uh. Did anything pop off that night? Or luckily, luckily, no. But they've been they've been operating at a they've been operating from behind, and for a while now. And there were so many people out there, man. It's they said that there was uh, they did a count for two point five people per car, and the number came out to around one point nine million people visited the island for Fourth of July. Really? Yeah, that's that's yeah. that goes for all of these festivals. If you look at, I mean, the, the city swells up. Horrendous. The city swells up, and. If they ain't got no help, it it puts our east in, and you know, I mean, what we like, you know, is is in jeopardy. But for the most part, good people are coming here. It's just uh, big bodies of water bring weird people. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. I mean, I'm here, you know, but uh, big bodies of water seem to bring you know the crazies out. So it's nice to have a little bit of protection. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna have um, representative from the GMPA on next week, the same day they're gonna do their. Uh, their PowerPoint presentation at the, the city city hall. Uh, we're going to put that presentation up on the website and also, you know, do an interview and all, all we can to help. Um, and the interview is going to be really nice. It's going to be really nice to get some answers and instead of the uh, instead of always being in the dark and wondering what's going on, we're going to get some. We're going to move forward to get some answers and then hopefully we can open up a dialogue between the city, the public, and the police in all facets. So we're looking forward to that. And then the next week after that, um, we're going to be meeting with um, Galveston Island Brewery on a more positive note. And that's going to be a really fun podcast. Don't get me excited. I can't wait now. Yeah. Might as well invite me back for that one. Yeah, right. Galveston Island Brewery School. That's going to, we were there last night. It was really, really nice. I love their beer. I know. I can't get over the citramella. It's delicious. I can't get over it. It's absolutely delicious. Well, so we're, we're going to sign off. John, thank you for uh, coming out today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, ben, do you have any more any more words to say? Or We sure appreciate you guys for listening. And uh, like you said, we will be back next week with the GMPA. And we appreciate everybody. As always, stay salty. Have a good day. All right.